Listeners everywhere, welcome to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan, the weekly fix for your screen addiction and a trusted source for discussion of all things film and television. Please keep in mind that for the purposes of this podcast, Joel and Ryan are not acting as journalists, but rather fellow moving picture enthusiasts. All of their opinions should be taken as such. Also, please be warned that while Joel and Ryan may seem like petulant children, they are, in fact, adults who may occasionally use adult language. While they promise to bleep out all the worst words, it's a good bet you will still understand what they were saying. And now, with no further ado, here's Joel and Ryan. Knocking over pencils. Knocking Is nothing over pencils. safe or sacred. No. Um, I yeah, I I don't have anything else creepy. Do I have anything creepy here? Um no, not really. Anyway, welcome. Welcome to the movie show with Joel and Ryan. I am Joel. And I'm Ryan. And we're back. We told you we would be back. And it, you know, hopefully you already listened to the first one and you're jumping right on in listening to the second one. And we are here. We're giving you all the Halloween goodies. This yeah. is the and yeah. So you know they're all in the second one. The first one was just for chumps. <laughs> so <don't>, if <laughs> you only listened to this one, good job. You chose correctly. Mm-hmm. Except no, for the that's black not, phone. I really did like. I really did like the black phone. Uh yeah. I liked burial. I liked a bunch of things. I liked orphan first kill. Hey, I sue me. I thought it was pretty good. Um. So there's lots of good stuff yeah. in the first one. If you haven't listened to that, this is the second part of a two part show. Uh, mm-hmm. a movie show with Joel and Ryan first, where the two both parts came out a couple of days apart. Um, fresh, maybe a little too fresh, ripe per se for the mm-hmm. Halloween season. We're not quite an old, you know, decaying pumpkin, but we're not looking our best at this point. That's no reason, Joel, not to go on with the show and to continue. What do we got? Twenty more movies, right? To get through something here? like that. Yep, something like that. Uh, it's going to be fun. I'll say what I said in the last show. I'll try and say it quicker, but it's kind of hard to articulate, but this is a recommendation show. So we really are trying to, you know, I'm reacting to all these movies that I saw during scary movie season, but, um, we're trying to give you guys recommendations. Uh, my first recommendation to Joel, the black phone, uh, knocked that one out of the park he was thrilled to watch that i thought he probably would be but you never know and yep. you know similarly i had a friend over the other night who uh you know i wanted to share a pretty cool halloween style thing for that i think is pretty great and that i think he thinks pretty great and that he was watching and that what he did think was pretty great but he hit a point man where he had to flee he had to flee <laughs> the room. He had to get away physically from the movie and oh, never, man. I wouldn't say never talk about it again because it, we talked about it a little and I told him what happens and that usually helps you heal a little from a traumatic event. But the good horror movies can traumatize you somewhat. They're about that sort of thing. And that's, mm-hmm. I, that I admire them for that. I'm not someone who's like, oh, can't we just have, 
fun, funny horror movies where people say funny, where the guy says something funny and then he just cuts the person's head off. I'm so sick of these serious ones. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, if you're going to cut somebody's head off, let's go for it. Let's make that as awful and horrible as it possibly can. So that's my mm -hmm. philosophy about horror in general. And I'm pretty good, although not completely successful, I'm pretty good at avoiding that other kind. And I apologize for that, but that I just don't have much to offer you in that way. But we will try and review these and discuss them in a way that even if they're not your bag or even if they are, whether I like them or not, hopefully we'll talk about what, what their essence is enough that you guys can make the right choices for yourself. That's what this show is about. That's what all of our sort of big, this is a list of terror, but what all of our sort of list shows are about. They're, they're, they're trying to, they're just throwing stuff out there that maybe you might mm -hmm. be interested in and, and trying to do the thing that I think film criticism really is supposed to do more than any other thing. It does a lot of things, but the most crucial thing it does is provide clarity for the reader so that they can make their own decision the best they can. Whether they, are, whether they agree or disagree is beside mm -hmm. the fact if you write with clarity. That's what I try and do. So there you go. All right. Sounds good. All right, so let's jump right about uh, right on into it. This is part two of the 2022 list of terror. There we Spooky. go. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's jump right in. Category number one is horror runs in the family. Yeah, it does sometimes, doesn't it? It is indeed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, first one up is a movie called Separation, which you can watch on the Peacock channel. Who, uh, like who, who wrote and directed Separation? We've already talked about him earlier uh, in the show. We're going to talk about him once more. You know, I really, I, I, his name is William Brent Bell, but I really wish you went by Billy, Brent, Billy Brent Bell. <laughs> William, William Brent, Brent Bell, Bell, who I just called oh, yep. Brent in the last episode. Sorry, mate. I, this guy made some interesting films. And as I said before, in Orphan First Kill, this was certainly true. And in this film, um, it may seem like nothing and it's not enough to be a good filmmaker or to make movie good, but he really fills in stuff well. And that's something that a lot of the kids making horror movies today like they don't really get it. It's noisy. They're going from one thing to another, sort of stampeding through stuff. Um, he really does the, you know, you're driving in your car, you're in transition, you're going to your job, you're this and that. He he really does a nice job of creating a physical world of the story and creating a mood that sort of surrounds it. Um, separation was called, basically it was labeled as cheap, boring, dumb, pedestrian. Uh, he made a, William Brent Bell made a name for himself on the horror movie Boy, which is almost 10 years old now. I've never seen that. I'm going to watch it this afternoon, but it wasn't part of this cycle of movies, so I saved it. Still not Halloween yet in sh real showtime. So I'm going to watch that and I'm kind of looking, for, I mean, it, I don't think it's going to be a miracle or anything, but I'm kind of looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. uh this movie's really good uh read the synopsis is pretty decent yeah i mean it's just real quick a young girl finds solace in her artist father and the ghost of her dead mother who's the place the father in this rupert friend right 
Yeah, Rupert Friend. Rupert's fantastic actor. Really, really super like him. Really liked him on Homeland. He just did a stint in Obi-Wan Kenobi, that show. Uh, he's a man of a thousand faces, but I really, really love him. I Especially mm-hmm. my favorite William Friend, or Rupert Friend movie, although there's many, is he plays... Uh, Prince Albert in The Young Victoria with Emily Blunt. That's a fantastic yes. movie and a great performance. Um, so Rupert plays this artist. He's like a, he's he's famous for a children's book actually, but he's not been able to. He's got sort of children's book artist, you know, drawing block or it's not writer's block per se, but. Uh, and in this relationship, he's not really pulling his weight anymore and they're going through a divorce and everything is going really awful. And then, uh, his wife in the middle of divorce proceedings gets killed by a hit and run driver. And as her father says, played by Brian Cox, Mm -hmm. wow, there's a ringer. What's he doing in this? Um, it, what what he says is, oh, this has all worked out very conveniently for you. Well, it, the mercenary, awful, hard truth is that probably did. A contentious divorce where she was wanting all the control probably wasn't going to go very well for him because he was sort of a slacker, loser of a guy. You know, good-hearted guy, but not not the best father, not, not the perfect person for this scenario, and not able or willing to put up much of a fight against a, mm-hmm. an A personality. So maybe it did work out for good for him. I don't know. He's, he, his daughter starts seeing things. That's not good, but she just lost mm. her mom. So, I mean, that's right. kind of normal too. And it inspires. That's creepy. Why would she say that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it's happened in her room, which is sort of creepy. And he starts seeing stuff. Now on one hand, this isn't good. Don't, just seeing weird dolls and things coming to life with it's you know it's not the stuff you're seeing uh contortionist doll clown i guess for the win that's the creepiest thing in the movie but the mm-hmm. it's not that they're seeing things it's 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 that that's inspires him professionally and gets him back on track with this comic book company um his uh, personal assistant slash uh sort of mentee um, is helping out around the house and helping raise the kid and just seems like she's basically a gift from heaven. Brian Cox is pretty pissed. He believes his wife, he believes his daughter was murdered. He now wants custody of the child. But if you know how child custody stuff works, this uh, Rupert's character would have to be a pretty terrible father to lose out right. in this case. He's, I mean, he's not the best, but he's not that bad. And... Within that rich, imaginary, playtime life that he and his daughter have, these things start to manifest themselves. Mm-hmm. The synopsis sort of said, comforted by the spirit of her, lo- her lo- lost mother, or, or, or is it? The or go- is it? Yeah, the goat, yeah. Or is it just using her? You know, what is it? What's the worst thing that could happen? That's probably what happens in these sorts of movies. And when it isn't, you can say you're pretty pleasantly surprised by them. I thought that, again, it Bell fills this up with stuff that really works. The actual hearing 
Rupert Friend's uh, its character's monologue about why she, he should be allowed to keep his own daughter instead of his father-in-law is stunning. It's really a, an amazing speech, and it's it breaks mm-hmm. your heart. <laughs> and that's just you're not expecting that from this kind of movie. In fact, this kind of movie doesn't deserve that or even need that. It, it needs the scary stuff to really work, and the scary stuff in this one is all oh, just crap you've seen before. It really there is n- absolutely nothing new in this film, but. I like the human element. I like some of the surprises. I like that even though people were antagonistic towards each other, there weren't any easy heroes or villains in this thing. I thought that's neat. I like to see that sort of thing. And uh, and I like the big ending was kind of great. So it, it, it great for what it was. So. There you go. Mm-hmm. Separation's worth checking out. And really, I, I haven't seen Boy yet, but I'd say any William Brent Bell or Billy Brent Bell films, as <laughs> as we're going to christen them on our little mm-hmm. show, because we're allowed to do that. Um, they're worth checking out. He, he does it right. He's got an old school... We'll talk about a couple legit old school guys that are further down on this list and what they bring to the party. He's got an eye for that. He feels that stuff and and i love that about him so i'm i'm willing to give him a chance this is one of his least liked films because it's if you've ever what did the best review of it said the or the highest you know uh help most helpful review said if you've ever seen a horror movie before you've seen separation before yeah. it really it really <laughs> is pg-13 horror 101 but sure it's got a, it's got its own little bits and pieces in it they're not all bad well, there you go. And an absolute A-list cast for this kind of thing. Yeah, it's awesome. kind of bonkers. Yeah. All right. Uh, again, uh, speaking of having a, a, a pretty darn good cast here, uh, our next film uh, is called Things Heard and Seen. And it's about an artist relocating to the Hudson Valley and begins to suspect that her marriage has a sinister darkness, one that rivals her new home's history. Boom, boom, boom. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah, Amanda Amanda Seyfried and James, uh, James Norton, Norton, F. Murray uh, Abraham, yeah, Rhea Seahorn. Oh my God, what are you doing in this? How'd you get yeah, in this? Karen, Karen Allen's barely stopped by for a Karen Allen days. and Michael O'Keefe, who way back in 1984 played a couple that were at odds with each other in a horror movie. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, um, play a, a married couple in this, which is great. Uh, they're great. It's great. Both of those guys. It's so cool that they're in this and they both are awesome. Um, they both are awesome, Karen Allen and Michael O'Keefe. What a mm-hmm. welcome thing. And, of course, F. Murray Abraham is always awesome, but you, 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 have, to, you have to write it so that he is awesome because if, if, you, if you let him off the hook, he'll, he'll be terrible. F. Murray Abraham, you know, mm-hmm. does the spinal tap thing and turns things up to 11. This guy's so believable, academic, you know, at a small school in northern New York. Uh, and not one of the special ones that you've heard of before. <laughs> yeah, this is and, like Saginaw, Saginaw College or something like that. Yeah, I don't even think it's, I'm not sure it's even a real college, but yeah. uh, but it is It is the Hudson, again, the Hudson River Valley, and the homes there are ancient. You are not allowed to do anything with them. You can buy right. it, but you can't change it, and you can't do it. It's all protected and restored and so if you've ever been in that part of the country 
this captures it really, really well. It's based on a novel. Mm -hmm. Um, not many of these are based on novels, so it's long winded and it goes on for a while because it's got a lot of the novel plotting and beats to get through. Um, James Norton, I think is fantastic. This is the kind of role he's absolutely meant for. He's a British actor. He's playing an American here, but, um, it's his life and it's the pull of his life that is bringing her out here where he's got a professorship at a small school and he becomes a pretty popular professor, especially with the ladies. The ladies. Yes. Yeah. You know, he's got look, a almost comically all young, hot women class uh, art, art appreciation classes. Um, but you get it. It That's not, it's not played as comically as I'm saying it, but it, check it out. You'll right. see what I'm talking about. Um, and there's temptations everywhere, and there's this, the history of the house is a dark one, and she sort of explores that. She's an artist and is sort of uh, a fine artist, and she's trying to, trying to find her way in this new community. She's trying to support her marriage, but she doesn't know what's going on. Amanda mm-hmm. Seyfried, who's, uh, the, it's really the two of them on their own parallel stories that, and how they affect each other, that is the story, but she's... She's the character that the synopsis is talking about. And yeah. she's a decent enough actor. And she's been good in this stuff. Every time I talk about her in a horror movie, I'm like, she's pretty good in it. She's not a she's not an actor that really excites me very much. But but that's not to say that she doesn't isn't mm-hmm. doesn't do the work and stuff, and she kinda does in this one. Um it's just boring. It's not super scary. It's it's got a novel plot, and it's about a marriage, and it's about lies—the lies of history, the lies we tell each other, the things we omit, mm-hmm. um, and how that ultimately turns to fraud, and how fraud is extremely damaging. And and I, I thought it was good because I got I liked the. I like, it's just not, it doesn't feel like a conventional ghost story or horror movie. It, it has that a woman wrote a novel about a woman going through real stuff feel to it. And that I appreciated the ensemble, as we said, is fantastic. Uh, but it just isn't, I don't know what to say. It's not super exciting. It's kind of long. It's not really scary. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know what to do with that. It's hard to recommend sure. unless, unless you just, unless you want to watch something with a scary bent to it that you can, you know, pull the blanket over yourself with a cup of hot cocoa and just sort of watch something. This isn't a bad one. It's not a pleasant tale really because lies corrode everything. And that's what happens here. And there's no stopping it once it starts, but, but it's, it's not a, it's not going to traumatize you either. You will not have to run from this film or anything that happens. Okay. All right, let's let's leave this cre- uh, creepy house and go to another creepy uh-huh. house. Yeah, just had to go through that door. Okay. Oh, yeah. There we go. Uh, all right, so now we're going to move on to The Invitation. Uh-huh. Uh, Natalie Emanuel's uh, second appearance on our uh, little countdown here. Or not countdown, but our list of terror. Um, all right, yeah, The Invitation. A young woman is courted and swept off her feet, only to realize a gothic conspiracy is afoot. Uh, really like Natalie Emanuel. 
she plays an American woman who gets, uh, what did you say, swept off her feet? Swept off her feet. Yep, swept off her One feet. One of her English cousins meets, has lunch with her and says, you got to come over and meet the rest of the family. Natalie's a person of color. This family is this old, rich, white English family. Um, they could kind of go into the where's and why fours of, of that and how that went down, um, which aren't super important, but that, but that fish out of water and the, the race, not exactly playing the race card. The race really is a thing that the film uses to alienate her from the people, not just that, the money, all of it, high society. It should be romantic, but it doesn't feel right and of course there's a reason for that ultimately and this movie i thought i was on the i was following this along i'm ready for a gothic um romance set in modern times you know where the new world the new world character meets the old world characters like that's a neat idea and mm -hmm. it's it's shot really well and it's it's i don't want to say it's well performed because at a certain point everybody abandons any sort of normal acting style in this thing. And that is really what brought it down to me. And it's not the actor's fault. It's the whole approach to the material. Um, you can see what's happening coming a mile away. And when it happens to me, at least it was really disappointing um, for a much, much better Gothic romance. Check out Crimson Peak by Guillermo del Toro. That's more of a period one. Lots of ghosts, lots of blood, murder, and that thing. But that got it the formula right. This, the setup is great, and the payoff is really, really bad. And the and I heard that the filmmaker she gave an interview and she talked about the different endings this movie had and how they had to pick one. And mm. you couldn't win. Yeah. They're all terrible. They're all bad. Yeah, that's that. They're all bad endings. Yep. It's and when I'm I was waiting for because I when I hear oh alternate ending I'm like which ending will Ryan pick? None of them. This, yeah. That was where this was going. One of those places. Did why'd you even start making this thing? And that's right. hats off to Natalie. She's great. She'll be in better things. She looks yep. great in it. The movie looks really really good. Mm -hmm. So it's not even the filmmakers. I think they can redeem themselves, but the storytelling just goes right down the tank in this thing and i i think right. it's fair of me to say that um all right well let's uh let's move on to uh our next our next film um you know we have uh uh we, we have been spoiled in horror from uh countries like uh korea and japan and china uh and um now we're gonna have uh this is about um a mother arriving from korea to visit her family in america uh and it's uh, I'm guessing it's Uma. I think it's Uma. Uma, okay, Uma, which is Korean for mother. Okay, sorry, I, I didn't um, mother is not visiting. Mother's long dead. Mother was a Korean immigrant, and this is a second and third generation. Uh, played by Sandra Oh, and who's the mm -hmm. girl? Oh, the, the remains daughter. of her estranged mother arrived. Yeah, the remains from Korea. come. To visit. Yeah, the That's remains great. come. Yes, we have uh, Sandra. Oh, uh, I'm uh, guessing it's uh, Fivel Stewart. Yeah, yeah. They're they're mom mm -hmm. and, and daughter. Um, mom has uh, this is uh, this is the same thing that that uh, Michael McKeon's character thought he had in 
uh, Better Call Saul, which was a, this aversion to um, electronic devices. And so they live in this country home where uh, they have a, they raise bees. They have a big, uh, thriving bee mm-hmm. colony. And unbeknownst to her, because she doesn't have a phone or the internet or a TV or uh, anything, um, uh, Sandra O's character, they, they started selling their honey online. And now it's become this really successful thing. So things are going pretty good. Uh, but the girl's sort of coming of age and there's a separate, the mom has separation anxiety because she stays at home. She doesn't really interact much with the outside world and she doesn't want her daughter to leave her. And she doesn't even think her daughter's going to leave her, but her daughter's, she's starting to find things around the house like college brochures and things like mm-hmm. this that suggest that the daughter wants to experience a little bit about what's happening out there. And it brings back the mother-daughter issues that Sanders' character has with her own mother, especially when those ashes show up, um, which are extreme. Yeah. And that's it. Well acted, well shot. It's Again, it's nothing super special, but there's uh, the, the Korean mourning and the Korean sort of death, rituals that are brought up in this and and the idea of of what an immigrant's life is like we saw a little bit of this in his house um this is it's this is this travels that path a little bit and i was interested in it i was um i was adopted in 1972 and at the time there was a mass especially here in in Minnesota and in the Twin Cities, but but everywhere really in America, there was this mass uh, second generation post Korean War um, children coming over and being adopted like crazy. Here, mm-hmm. my adoption mm-hmm. agency was at the was at the heart of that, and through that and some of my I call them my Korean Korean imports is what I call those friends <laughs> that I have that. W- I was brought on through uh, Children's Home Society to teach little Korean boys and girls about Korean heritage, which is craziest thing I know. But but I it was I demonstrated that I was able to. Joel said this on our very first show. I think Joel said this, or no, you said this on the show we did with Dana. It was actually her show where you mm-hmm. explained what a communications degree is and how he could pretty much pick up a manual and because he's got communication skills, could. If if it's if he could bring himself to understand it, then he could teach somebody else. And I have those similar yeah. communication degree skills. So they taught me games. Basically, they gave me these games, and then I would play games with the kids. And I was a fun teenager, so that worked. I don't know what I'm getting at with that, except that the Korean part of this, the mm-hmm. Korean cultural part of it, really meant something to me. And the Korean import story like was meaningful to me this film didn't get very great reviews but sandra was very popular and i think if you're a woman i think if you're korean if you're korean woman maybe not maybe it's you know maybe it's a little cheesy because it is just a dumb horror movie in the end that uses these things as dressing but i actually liked it i this was an afterthought it was one of the extras i didn't have it on my list got added to the list at the last second and i'm glad because and I didn't want to be t- super traumatized by something. There's torture in this, and there's flashbacks, mm. and there's some tough stuff. But it it, it it's an easy one to digest, and it 
and it, and it's well done. So there you go. Sorry. All right. So next up, we sorry, are, that's so that, for you, you people who say I don't share enough about my past on here. I don't know. Those okay. things maybe don't connect, but whatever. Sure. Uh, we are going to uh, leave the world of horror running in the family, and we're going to go to paranoid madness. And that creaking door tells us that we have now entered the manor. <laughs> paranoid madness. Is there any other yep. kind paranoid. of madness? Yeah. I mean, when you're creating, it's neat because insanity's awesome on on the page and on celluloid because it it is it, the literal act of creation being explored by creative people. Like I always think mm -hmm. that's cool, you know. But when you're creating some reality that isn't real, um, the 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 reason you're doing it is to protect yourself from the reality that is real and what you're willing to do in defense of your alternative reality can sometimes be you know destructive and dangerous and that's why we lock those people up and good riddance to them joel indeed and lock throw away the key and forget <laughs> they were ever born salt the earth where they tread so that nothing may grow there uh I'll let you read the for the manor. I'll let you read the synopsis. Sure. After suffering a mild stroke, Judith Albright reluctantly moves into a historic nursing home where she becomes convinced a supernatural force is killing the residents. Uh, this is um, Barbara Hershey is the star. Barbara of this. Hershey. So yep. good in this. I wish the manor was just, I don't know. It is what it is. And it, it delivers on its promise. Actually. Um, and it's really fun. Again, there's a there's a McKee, uh, O'Keefe, Karen Allen sort of connection here too. Bruce uh, Davison, who's another is that right? Bruce Davidson. Yep, Bruce Davidson. Yep. Really good actor. You know him from everything. He he uh, he when he was a young man, and when Barbara Hershey was was a very young woman, and uh, the cat from the Waltons. Can't remember his name right now. Uh, John Boy from the Waltons. Anyway, they were all in this rated X. It's kind of a horror movie, but it's a psychological horror movie, very much like The Manor, mm. um, where they basically took this unpopular kid and they brought them into their group and then they just r r destroyed them. It's a really harsh film from around 1970, I want to say. Um... And apparently, they Bruce Davidson and Barbara didn't get along very well when they were making that film. And it's it's funny because when they were putting this one together, they, she she was the star. She plays a dance instructor, you know, a former dancer herself, a very creative, very sharp, not a person who needs to be committed to a nursing home in really any mm -hmm. way other than these strokes aren't going to get better. What she has is not curable and she doesn't want to be a burden to her family. She practically checks herself into this place before she starts seeing things that, that don't add up and don't make sense. Mm. Um, they asked her, Hey, do you, what, what about maybe Bruce Davidson and her reaction to that? Not having fond memories of him wasn't bad. It was, Oh yes, I think that would be, <laughs> that would be great. And there's real, chemistry between her and all the other people in this and so all of that is pretty good the central mystery is not bad but again it's a horror movie the scares aren't there 
Um, and I'm not sure this movie is even about what it promises to be about. And maybe that's because it's got a great twist. That's be your mileage. But a lot like the Amanda Seyfried, uh, you know, things heard and seen, it just, your your tolerance of this, whether you're going to genuinely be involved in it or whether you're just going to be bored to tears with it, it relies upon the character stuff, which I thought was pretty good, but wasn't enough wasn't enough to get the two thumbs up from the movie show with Jolene Ryan because it just just doesn't quite get there. It's not, it's good oh. though. Barbara Hershey's so good. Like I, yeah. there were things I liked about it, and I loved the callback to that other film, which is I wish I could remember what it was called, but it's it was really awful, awful um, in I, a in a in a not really X rated way. It was psychologically sure. awful and. You know, back at a time yeah. when you got an X rating, you know, you didn't have to. It didn't have to be full of porn or full of blood or anything. It, they they said putting an X rating on something in 1970 was basically saying no children should see this. It should yeah. only be seen by adults. Only adults can handle this. Yeah. And you know, parental guidance not suggested. Just don't let your kids see this. And that to me was it earned that rating. So. All right. Um, okay, let's move on to the manor. Uh, that that's the manor. Yeah. Um, now we're gonna do the next movie is Watcher. Now this is not The Watcher, which is a current miniseries on Netflix. This is Watcher, which is Watcher. also from 2022, uh, starring uh, Mike and Monroe, who we was uh, we we um, had in a previous film. Yeah, Watcher, not The Watcher. I can promise you this: if you're ever confused and you're like. Are they talking about this or are they were they talking about that? Here's here's the the way you can find out. It is my pledge to you, the listener, the dear treasured listener. The movie show with Joel and Ryan, as long as I have anything to say about it, will never ever recommend a Ryan Murphy produced or written project to you. So if I recommended it. It's not the Ryan Murphy thing. The Watcher, admittedly, which has Naomi Watson, who we like. Mm -hmm. It's Watcher because if you look, it doesn't appear to be Ryan Murphy here anywhere. Mm -hmm. It's safe to proceed. Correct. Watcher is the most Hitchcockian, paranoid uh, movie on this list. It's really, really good. Make a Monroe again uh, from Significant Other fun to spend two hours with her in both movies. They're both dramatically different kind of movies. Significant Other was berserk, crazy, let's see how many crazy crap things we can do in this and get get yeah, away yeah. with. It turns out they did a few two more than they should have, but whatever. I, I admire the effort very much. This is very reserved. Again, it's a story of this woman who's moving to for the sake of her relationship to a strange land in Bucharest, Hungary. Yeah, which is a place loaded with personality. And um, and just trying to make a go of it. But there are killings going on. Uh, some sort of serial killer is on the loose. It's all on the news. Not a hidden secret or anything. And she has starts having these experiences with this person who lives in a apartment building across from hers who appears to just be standing there and watching her and her mm -hmm. breakdown and the way uh, society treats her. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the hysterical woman film. 
Um, because I think we see that through history and I think that's not flattering. I think hysteria is, mm-hmm. is just a stupid, like not real thing that we just, it was a stamp that we used to put on people who acted, especially women in ways that were just a little too intense for us. And yeah, I think yeah. uh, throughout history, people who have been diagnosed it with hysterics have been dismissed. And that's very much what Watcher is. That is pretty much exactly what it is. She starts acting hysterical and is completely dismissed and has to sort it out for herself. And the question is, is that hysteria warranted or isn't it? you got to watch the movie to find out. But um, nothing new here at all except just really, really well-executed beat-by-beat suspense thriller um, that I thought was really great. So I liked Watcher a lot. The Watcher... Yeah, We're, yeah. Let's let's not get into a tangent on that. Um, uh, all right, let's move on to Resurrection with Rebecca Hall and Tim Roth. Rebecca Hall and Tim Roth, right? That's why I showed yep. up. Correct. Uh, Margaret's life is in order. She's good. She is capable, <laughs> disciplined, successful. Everything is under control. That is until David returns carrying with him the horrors of margaret's past um uma is going for something like what this movie actually pulls off rebecca hall Mm. rebecca hall was this bright shining star in last year's best horror movie if you still haven't seen it it's called the night house man is it good here this movie, Resurrection, is not as good a movie. It's got some narrative issues and some things, and you'll be able to poke some holes in it if you'd like. But here, Rebecca Hall is even better in a much more demanding role. Normally, I, I, I lean towards the smaller, you know, based in in personal truth type performances. That's not necessarily what this is. This is a, a woman who absolutely loses her mind over metaphorically loses her mind. I guess when we're talking in this category, I should differentiate the difference, but you know, in a cinematic way loses herself and the way she plays it, where it manifests itself physically in her, everything that happens to her, her just whole being gets eroded by, and she becomes this sort of raw nerve of a person. Uh, It's a stunning thing to watch. It's harrowing to watch her. She's a single mother and her daughter, uh, trying to make sense of it and trying to help her and then ultimately just trying to escape it is harsh. I think the movie plays it very straight with these things, though, and I think the ending is extremely metaphorical and weird. And I like a good metaphorical and weird ending. Some of my favorites on this list have that. But uh, this movie, it's kind of like, what? Um, it's not that you don't get it. It's that it, it, you didn't know it was this kind of film. And I don't think I'm spoiling the ending by doing that. I think you gotta be prepared for, uh, there, there's a nice physical reality payoff in something like the watcher. This film's very similar, but it doesn't have that. It, it, it switches to the metaphysical and goes a bit off the rails as a result, but still a, a absolute journey worth taking. If the psychological thriller is, is your kind of horror movie, Rebecca's just as good as there is on earth with us right now. And she's as good as she gets in this. So that, that alone, if you're a fan of cinema is a reason to show up, I think. 
Excellent. All right. Well, let's. Um, okay. So next up is. Uh, so that does it for our paranoid madness. Oh, a category. Next, we're going to uh, the next category that Ryan has labeled is labeled. Don't miss the point. Try not to um, try not to miss the point. Uh, and that the first up, it's going to uh, be that, tough to miss the point with these. So basically, I'm being cute when I say that. Oh, OK. Uh, well, it, these are very first up, pointed stories, we'll say. All right. First up is Amazon, uh, uh, available on Amazon Prime, and it is called Master. Uh, synopsis, kind sir. Uh, yep, this uh, stars Regina Hall. Uh, three women strive to find their place at an elite Northeastern university when anonymous racist attacks target a black freshman who insists she is being haunted by ghosts. Each woman must determine where the real menace lies. Uh, I, the meaning behind this movie and the point of it all, I'm sort of in lockstep with and really, really appreciate it. Um, however, the delivery in terms of, is it a horror movie or isn't it? It isn't. Okay. Just, it, it shouldn't have been sold as one because it is not a bait and switch that you're prepared to make with it and can't. Um, and it doesn't it doesn't really earn its big moments very well either. Um, so all you're left with basically is being preached at. Mm. And that sucked. I love Regina King. I really do. Like I, like as far as, uh, it's Regina not a political Hall, movie, but as far as the cultural things that are being explored here, like I really think they're valuable. And yet I just, yeah. Is Regina good in it? No, she's a. I mean, she's good because she's does. She's thank God it's her. Somebody, some other yeah. poor person might have had an even tougher time. But no, it, she it doesn't come off good in it because it isn't. It is mm -hmm. leads her in a, into its artificial preachy place that's difficult to come back from, and yeah. and that's all I can really say about it. And it's. And I rewatched the beginning of it because I missed something. And when I went and rewatched the beginning, it was the worst thing I could have done because it was all creepy horror setup. And I just was like, what were you doing with any of this? Why didn't you just tell this story? This woman comes back to her alma mater where she learned to be a young, strong woman. And as the master of the, of the school, it's a rather old term, but it's a thing that exists and you can kind of look it up. And she takes under her wing this student and she's not really able to save her student from the darkness or herself or her own ideas about other people get super out of hand. Um, there's some other, you don't have the cue up, but there's some other really shameful quote ripped from the headline elements to it that I really hated. I just didn't like Master, and I I wanted to from the headlines. Yeah, that's not. We don't need that here. I just don't know what to say. It's frustrating for me right. that it 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 because I because I'm on team everybody who made it, and I get what they're trying to do, but you, you gotta his story his story's got to come first, and that's got to come from some place that makes sense. Yeah, I want I really, really, Joel, I want to be the last white guy in America who sits here and says this movie had an agenda. And I did like it. You know what I mean? Like, 
Mm-hmm. I liked the agenda. I didn't like yeah. that this movie, that all it was ultimately was an agenda. That was frustrating for me, and that is that is my honest reaction to it. So, and I and the fact yeah. that it made me one of those guys is kind of pisses me off. <laughs> yeah, it probably. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it probably. Uh, you know, and and again, it, that probably goes back to the fact that it was sold. Uh, you know, sold as a horror movie, a horror film. Yeah. And and that's not what it is. What's so. the tagline um, for it? It's got a super horror tagline to it. Uh, let's see. Um, where is the tagline here? This school is this school is cursed. There you go. Okay. Look, the way it's cursed and the way we're all cursed is it's on point. And I didn't sure. miss it. I get it. So don't write in and tell me I didn't get it. I get it. I just. Yep wasn't entertained by it and can't find any anything to cling to in it other than the point of it, which I thought was, I don't know, like I won't mm-hmm. repeat myself. The All right, let's master, move on to... Or, um, sorry, not the master, master, and mm-hmm. it's not very good. It's just not a very good movie. Ultimately, that's you got you to gotta do that part before you can do any of that other stuff. Yep. Uh, all right, let's move on to... Uh, fresh little Sebastian Stanley, little Daisy Edgar Jones. Uh, what do you call them? Winning that's Joel's term. They're very winning, they, they are a winning actors. couple. They're winning. Um, I love Sebastian Stan. I loved Michael Bean back in the day, and to me, Sebastian Stan is Michael Bean of today. He's he's the make Michael Bean of our time. Love him, and I've never seen. Uh, Miss Eggers in anything, but I love her now too. So that just tells you what I thought about Fresh. Um, Fresh was a movie I recommended to Joel. Joel didn't get to it. I think Joel got the right movie for him. Maybe he'll. Yeah. Still, I mean, uh, still two days till Halloween. Maybe you'll. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe you'll take a stab at at Fresh. <laughs> that pun. I'm pretty sure that pun wasn't intended, but who knows what's going on <laughs> in my head there. Um, there you go. Read the synopsis. It just tells you everything without telling you anything. It's great. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Fresh follows uh, Noah, who, uh, that's Daisy Edgar Jones, um, who meets the alluring Steve at a grocery store and giving her, given her frustration with dating apps, takes a chance and gives him her number. What's the worst thing that could happen? Right. Um, yeah. Uh, Fresh. Yeah. Well, I gave Fresh bit, an eight out of ten. Not many horror movies achieve this eight. Here the we coveted go. eight After out of ten. The, this will help a little bit with it. I said, and I think so without spoiling. After their first date, Noah is smitten and accepts Steve's invitation to a romantic weekend getaway, only to find that her new paramour has been hiding some unusual appetites. Uh, and you don't even need that. It, just the fact yeah. that. She gave out her. I mean, her her. The movie starts with her out on a on a computer, you know, on a computer date or whatever, and it's it's the worst date. It's the worst date ever. Yeah, and it just everything about it is terrible, and and you just feel that this this picking people by their profiles isn't working for them because you can see why they mm-hmm. might be compatible, but they just aren't. And this dude's standing in the produce section of the grocery store and makes some funny jokes and makes her laugh. And and once he's done that, then he's the door is open for him to kind of yeah, because you can tell he doesn't you know he's it's not he doesn't come on like a ton of bricks. He's very careful and deliberate and not wanting to freak somebody out in the store. But he 
he has something funny to say, so he says it. And she's very entertained by him. They're very their date is wonderful and perfect in every way. It's they say things that are vulnerable, that are that have weaknesses in each other, that they reveal things to each other in true ways that both of them have uh, empathy and a sense of humor about. And it's just you just fall in love with both of them, and and. And I can't even get to the where anything happens because you just can't. Fresh mm-hmm. is a pun in a lot of different ways. And the performances by everybody involved is amazing. The movie is really harsh and disgusting and terrible. And it, 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 it just pushes the boundaries. It's like, imagine the worst that could happen in this scenario. And I promise you, you will not get there. You will not be able to imagine what actually goes down and that yeah is a big win for the horror genre and well, and it although not That's haha cool. funny loaded with dating humor and wordplay and goofy song choices which i really appreciated and because normally i i hate the especially these days songs if i hear sympathy for the devil in a movie again i'm gonna i'm gonna i don't know what i'm gonna do something really awful it's gonna happen something physically will have to get broken in that moment Mm -hmm. i think yeah exactly so this movie didn't do that this it just just dashes your expectations at every turn really really amazing and you you expect the worst and you just don't expect this okay uh, that sounds great. That is a ringing uh, endorsement. You should uh, run be out and careful see. in on the Go dating up. scene in particular, but be careful with fresh. That's my only yep. warning. Just be sure you want to really go through something before you watch that thing. Be careful, Butterfuoco. <laughs> right. That's creepy. Why would she say? All that? right. Next yeah. up is men. Oh men. Oh you <laughs> men. <laughs> I just watched this last night, so this is fresh in my mind. This is by um, uh, what's the guy's name? Alex Garland. Alex right, Garland, director. who brought you uh, Ex Machina and Annihilation, mm-hmm. and he wrote the script for Twenty Eight Days Later and Sunshine. So a frequent Danny Boyle collaborator, and now he's directing movies himself. Um, a woman was about to get a divorce with her husband who died by falling from a balcony above their unit. They lived in London, and uh, the reasons for that are sort of revealed slowly throughout the film. Uh, It's played by indie darling, um, what's her name? Jesse Buckley. Jesse Buckley, who's in was in Lost Daughter last year and a whole bunch of things. Uh, Jesse's, she's with, for good reason, is the toast of the town on the little independent film market. And it's because she's really, really extraordinary. And this film, she's just sort of put through a pretty conventional horror ringer. What's unconventional about it does get unconventional. This is a very, very metaphorical film. Um, For example, there are only two men in the entire movie. And... One of them is the pers- the gentleman who plays her husband in flashback, and the other is Rory Kinnear, who plays all the other men in the movie. That itself should let... Because the film's fairly straightforward in its first couple mm-hmm. acts, that should tell you this is different, this is going to be weird. Really, having seen Ex Machina, and certainly having seen Annihilation, 
should give you plenty of warning <laughs> that this is going someplace mm-hmm. a little bonkers and you just got to be willing to go with it if it's going to work on you. Some really unnerving stuff. Kinnear, my goodness, boy, is he amazing in the in the sort of Alec Guinness, man of a thousand faces type roles. Just really incredible. And he's always been really, really good. He's We know him from such sort of showy film things that it's hard to forget that in the last 20 years, he's only done a handful of films because he only does ones he's sort of interested in. He's mostly a stage actor in England. He yeah. loves the stage and and lives in the stage and can be drawn out with the right film project. And that gives him this tight, neat little uh, filmography that I really, really dig. And... And I just don't know what to say. She's so good in it. He's so good. Garland's such an interesting guy. Um, I read a lot of smarter critics saying, you know, this movie's pretty kind of amazing and out there, but it isn't as amazing and out there as it thinks it is. And it's going to alienate people because it really, it's pretentious and it's artful in artistic ways that are super arty and that's just that just rubs people the wrong way i'm like for my money you can't do too much of that maybe i won't like you it's possible but go for it i mean go for it make an art horror film please that we don't we don't have nearly enough of those and this is this is a really really good one but alex garland you know big studio film like you probably expect it you may be expecting something to deliver the horror thrills in a way that this doesn't it really do that so be warned it's it's weird all right well let's let's um let's take let's take a trip then into familyville and we're gonna do good clean messy family fun uh Uh, and uh, another thing last thing on men and I hate to leave it on a bum note because I enjoyed men and like it. And we'll be adding it to my collection. But it, a woman wrote this thing. It was the last thing we kind of need is like an all male production team telling us that men are dangerous. You know, it, it <laughs> it's like right. it it's good. She even liked the movie generally, but she's kind of like, but it has that sort of, oh, it's nice that you get it but now what sort of reaction to the film? And I think that is a very, very fair reaction to what's up there. Mm-hmm. As I say, that's why it's, that's why it's not in the art film category. It's in the get the point category. Cause it, it really has a point and a movie that's as obtuse as it is. If it had less right. of a point, it probably would have been better actually. Um, I, I remember when uh, so moving on to the good, clean, messy family fun. I remember when Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 2C or whatever the show was called. Yeah. Uh, when when they, they were toying with the idea of call, calling it Don't Trust the Witch in Apartment. Yeah. Because yeah. whatever they do, they couldn't say bitch, which is what the name of the thing was that it was right. based on. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, but, but in this in this first movie in the good, clean, messy, family, fun category, uh, Netflix's Night Books, Kristen Ritter is that witch Woo! in Apartment 2B or whatever it is. So, uh, yeah, Alex, a boy uh, obsessed with scary stories, is imprisoned by an evil young witch in her contemporary New York City apartment. And James Vanderbeek is not her neighbor in this movie. <laughs> 
not real, not a real or imagined James Vanderbeek. Although this is Correct. the kind of project where he would slide right in, probably with ease. <laughs> um, yeah, he would because it's this is really it, it. It has it is scary. It's so it's not for super sensitive children, but this is basically we try and do a couple of family movies every year. It's hard because most of them are just stupid kiddie movies. This movie, though, I admit it. And it got me, this is how you know I liked it, because it had one of those Nickelodeon, like, slime, huge centerpieces at the center of the movie, mm-hmm. where they just get messy, and it's just the messy is the fun of the thing, and the scary of the thing, and the everything, it's gross, and it was, it's, it was great. It was really, really well done, and I was, I was, I thought it was funny, and I got what they were going for. It was, really was that part at least was fresh for adults because if you're if you're an adult of a kid and you watch all this stuff, people getting dumped on and slimed and slipping in mud and it's just all that stupid physical kids that kids things like seem mm-hmm. to be turned up to the maximum in today's sort of kid entertainment. And this film, the filmmakers knew they were both pushing that easy button and also commenting on the style of the thing at the same time which is very very clever who uh directed this and what else did he direct uh this is directed by david yarovesky uh, david yarovesky and he just did uh, something pretty high profile recently yep. if memory serves uh, well he was he's the guy who brought you uh brightburn mm. he did the music video for gardens of the galaxy inferno he did the hive uh, so Brightburn, an actual mm-hmm. horror story, really, that and a rather intense one, um, that doesn't prepare you for this because this isn't as intense. But it 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 gets to the meanness of what it is to be a kid. It gets to the meanness of what it is to be a hostage. These kids, uh, the the tagline for the movie is "Right for your life." The kid has to keep the scary stories coming because the scary stories feed this evil place with evil. Or it feeds the evil in the evil place with fear and scariness. That's why that's his use. If he runs out of scary scories, he's done for. And the film implies that these two kids, our plucky heroes, are not the first two to, by a long shot, to come through here. Uh, Kristen Ritter's fantastic because she's comedically genius. She's also extremely threatening when she wants to be. And when it comes time for her to bring the real meaning of why someone becomes a monster home, and the film wisely and greatly goes to that place for everyone involved, uh, she nails that too. So what a great actor she is. Really, really fun and, and exactly the kind of person you would want in a role of this type and it's kind of her for the win, but the kids are great. The designs are fun. The weird it's bigger on the inside uh, crazy apartment. She lives in is amazing. The design is really, really goofy and cool. You can tell just by looking at the, the poster art, the, yeah, the, yeah, art, the costumes, the makeup, all of it. It's just really yep. a beautiful to look at and crazy, goofy looking film. And it has creates its sort of own reality, and I dug that in. Mm-hmm. And it gets to the trauma, what it's like to being a kid that's a little different, and that's that's what a kid horror story should do. That's what they all kind of do. So it's nothing new in that way, but I liked it for that right. reason too. So I didn't love this movie. I don't want you to get me wrong. It's just a dumb family splatter Hansel and Gretel story essentially. But sure. but that's what's wrong with that. That's great. 
correct. Uh, all right. Well, let's, you know, so uh, weirdly enough, Marvel uh, this year decided to get into the Halloween game and give us a little, uh, give us a little uh, sort of superhero-y horror uh, special uh, in Werewolf by Night. Uh, and this is where if I would have had a, um, a werewolf howl, I would have queued that up. But um, that's the one sounder that I forgot. <laughs> uh, but anyway. So we first, have werewolf. First, hats off to the uh, the Marvel, the Disney Plus Marvel special presentation logo. By the way, that's the yep. first thing you see. That is so awesome. Good. I remember those specials that came before. You know, it's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, and all that stuff that we grew up with. That was always yeah, each network. Each network yep. had their own version of that, and. I love the Dolly Madison commercials. And I mean, I just, everything about that is nostalgic and wonderful to me. And there's no more nostalgia piece on our list this year than this thing. It's, it's mm -hmm. a throwback to the universal monster movies, the Frankenstein. We did a whole episode on them. Go check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Back in that was old, uh, first old time season, days. Yeah. One of our first Halloween specials. Uh, it's like that. It's 60 minutes long. So it's a little longer than a television episode, but it's shorter than a movie. Um, it has all of that great shadowy black and white photographer. It was uh, shot by noted film composer who's getting into everything else behind the camera, Michael Giacchino. 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 Thank you. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you looked that up. I had a hard time finding how to say that. Uh, he's a J.J. Abrams disciple. This has a lot of that sort of feel to it. Um, it's pretty well made, but I have to say that the story is sort of beneath uh, the trappings of it are all wonderful. The story itself is pretty, yeah. pretty lame. Um, that's exactly but, how that's kind of how I would describe it. Yeah, too. but the yeah, but the it, it's fun to see Man Thing. It's really fun to see Man Thing if you're a comic fan. Man Thing is is mm -hmm. super cool. Um, it's fun that they captured Man Thing's like hug ability and his super scary uh, rampage ability. <laughs> Man Thing's yeah. not an not an e he's not the Hulk. He's not an easy one to pin down. You know it, it is. First impressions are really important to him, so be on your best behavior. And I just, it was weird. I, uh, director himself said he was kind of surprised it didn't get a TVMA rating. It got TV14. <laughs> yeah. But I think you take the blood out of it with the black and white photography, and I think that was enough to get him. But it's 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 in the our family category because families are going to watch this. It's going to happen. Right. Um, kids are not going to skip it because it's a little grisly for them. That'll give all the more reason for them to want to see it. So I think it's in the right category, but I don't know. I love um, those old movies. I love that style. I like the film craft on the display mm -hmm. very, very much. I love Gail, um, uh, Gail Garcia Brown. Yeah. He's fantastic. Garcia he's really Brown. neat. Um, Gives a sort of Benicio del Toro really understated performance in this that I mm -hmm. that I really dig. Um, um, match match that with the over the top performance of Harriet right. Harris, yeah, who yeah, is yeah. just so bonkers fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, God, she's so. It's yeah, worth sixty know. minutes of your time. I wish I wish it was better. Maybe we'll get more, and they they'll 
grow and get better. Uh, it it yeah. feels like we've not seen the last of these folks, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I mean, I, I, this is it is canon. This is going to be this is part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So let's let's see what what happens with see it. See where so. it goes. Um, all right. So next, so that that takes you know enough family time. That's it. There really let's weren't go, that many options that at least that yeah, let's, could interest me. Let's go back to uh, the like the real crap your pants creepiness here um and let's uh go horror can still be art too so we got our artsy creepy um and the first up is saint maud read the description for saint maud the synopsis a, please a pious nurse becomes dangerously obsessed with saving the soul of her dying patient uh <laughs> who's the actor in this she, she's playing um Gladriel uh, Mor- in the Rings yeah, of Power Morf- right now. Morphid Clark. Yeah, really, really good actor. So carrying this movie and really playing. Um, uh, this was from a couple years ago, so I didn't get Saint Maud. This was a, a quarantine horror film, mm-hmm. basically. So because there's a movie coming up that's better, that is that is basically the same thing, where it's this person who is obsessed to the point of of murder basically to the to just to the point of absolute wrongdoing in the act of in one film it's pursuing the dream in other it's you know uh turning away from reality in this it's this religious piousness she has these prayers that go on and on if i could just save one soul you know and jennifer ely in this film plays a character very much like barbara hershey's in the manor where she was a former like cabaret star and stuff. And she's just sick and dying of cancer and needs to be taken care of. And her soul can't be saved. She's what did they call it in the other film? Modern. She's too modern. Yeah. (laughs) She's got a very liberated idea what the world is and what's coming for her after. And, and they're a really, really bad mix that way. Not only that, she has fun. And maybe this is the lesson. I don't know. There's really a lesson in this movie. Maybe this is the lesson. Um, maybe the crazy religious person in your life, you shouldn't like poke them, make fun of their beliefs very much (laughs) because maybe that sort of devotion and stuff, uh, maybe it comes from a place of true devotion, but if you're getting it spat out at you constantly, it probably comes from a place of deep seated psychosis and, and when those two things combine, it can they can be grisly results. And uh, Saint Maud mm-hmm. was fantastic. It was everything they said it would be. It was very artsy, um, very crazy, and very Some just might... just loaded with religion iconography and uh, just a gung ho performance by our antihero. I, I I was pretty taken by it actually. Some might call it an unholy terror. Sure. Although okay. it really, it what's scarier, an unholy terror or a holy terror? If a holy terror is scarier to you, this is you should go check this out. It's going to scare the crap out of you. All right. Uh, okay. Next up is uh, is a movie, a little Icelandic film, Lamb. I'll do the synopsis for this one because this synopsis okay. is everything. I don't know what it says there, but a, a sad 
childless couple in the Icelandic wilderness wake one Christmas morning, go into their barn to feed their goats, and found that a newborn lamb has been delivered overnight when they didn't think so. And they take that lamb to their bosom and make it part of the family. And horror runs in the family. Nature doesn't want you here. Like this... What this really is is a quiet, creepy, weird art film that is all takes place in the mind and is difficult, difficult to find a way into it from a reality standpoint. But you can tell I segued for the synopsis to Ryan's opinion mm-hmm. somewhere in there because I realized my synopsis was about to spoil something. Um, as, as lamb. This is movies bonkers. Yeah. Numi Rapace. Have we mentioned her um, yet? She's in mm-hmm. three of these. Is she, are they all at the end of the show? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, we have another one coming up here in just a moment. So. In, a, in the same category. And then mm-hmm. I believe, uh, yeah, yeah. So, okay. Uh, Numi's is fantastic as this mother who, if she wanted a child, uh, she does now and basically make makes this lamb her kid and the way it affects the people in the story differently and it's just it's total art house nonsense but really really compelling both visually and and like from a personality standpoint it's crazy but you kind of can't look away from it i i thought it was awesome yeah cool it looks it does look bonkers i have the trailers playing here on imdb on mute and it uh is crazy pants um all right (laughs) next up is crimes oh the future it's crimes of the future but uh, i wanted to throw mm, by our old there. pal david cronenberg directing oh, a, david cronenberg his first movie in quite some time actually uh again along with men and another movie on this i just watched this last night i think i hated it is that suck, old son? David Cronenberg, you've brought us so much amazing stuff through the years. And here you are, finally sticking yourself out there and making uh, a true body horror picture. You know, It's always been an element in all of his stuff. Even his non-horror mm-hmm. stuff has some sort of body horror in it. And when you think about Eastern Promises, think about the scene where he's attacked in the spa when he's completely naked and has to kind of fight these guys out on the concrete you know, with no shoes, with nothing covering his unit. That's an amazing action scene for that reason, but it has that. It makes you squirm because the the body, the sound of the skin hitting the wet tiles, you know, when they're struggling and fighting with each other. It's so sloppy and messy and scary and gooey and icky. Um, read the synopsis for this one. Uh, do I have to? Yeah, um... you do. Humans adapt to a synthetic environment with new transformations and mutations. With his partner, Caprice, Saul Tenser, celebrity performance artist, publicly showcases the metamorphosis of his organs in avant-garde performances. <sighs> That's exhausting. <laughs> I, f- I find Cronenberg exhausting. There's not much of that that can be left out of the synopsis to, to in defense of the synopsis writer. And so it is Cronenberg that you're taking issue with. And again, if you take issue with that synopsis, man, you were, there's no chance in hell you're going to like even no, a few yeah, moments the, of this movie. Yeah, the, I mean, the, I'm sure the synopsis captures it. But, but yeah, I'm like, oh, okay, good, exciting. That's great. Enjoy, Cronenberg fans. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm just not one of them, and that's he's, okay. He's I made some of my favorite movies, so 
you know, I don't know. I wasn't like super into the fly when I was a kid or scanners or anything like that. But, but, um, but I really liked, uh, you know, I guess I really liked the movies he directed that he didn't write. I really liked dead zone. I really liked, um, uh, history of violence. You know, these are all not scripted by David. This very much is it's from the mind of David Cronenberg. And it really is, you're lost in somebody else's nightmare. And it really is so amazingly accomplished film. The future tech, the surgical instruments, the weird high-class parties they go to, the makeup effects, the lighting, the way the scenes are shot, the really amazing performances that they get out of Leia Sadu and Kristen Stewart in particular. Um... You know, and it the patience that it takes with its own ideas, which is something kids these days just don't get. And I loved watching that, that it just it's about ideas and it's engaging in the ideas and the and it's the way it explores them is deliberate and cool and just gorgeous to look at and da- Howard Shore's music, you know. But it what are you saying, man? Mm-hmm. You know, this one I didn't get the point. And it's not the end of the world that you watched a weird movie and didn't understand it. It's weird that you got to the end, didn't understand it, and just don't care to and didn't really care to even when it was happening right before your eyes. Um, that's not going to be everybody's experience with it. But the again, horror fans out there, oh, uh, this one's body horror and this one's that. They're so all their little subcategories. You know, body horrors become a thing where where they used to get one every three years, maybe that only had an element in it. Now we get a half dozen a year and you got to pick which body horror movie you're going to watch. So mm-hmm. there, you're never going to find a better one than this, but what's that? Yeah. Why do you, what b- brings you to that? Is it just, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm looking at this. Climb on board, man. This one's for you because that, that you, that's the only real reaction to have to the surgical performance art sequences. But what kind of idea is that? What's it saying about our world? What's it suggesting about our future? I I can't answer any of that. Maybe I need more time to think about it. But yeah, it's it's an empty. It's, I mean, it's probably true that I do, but it's an empty feeling when you walk out. Because I don't know what the hell Lamb was about really either. But there was a kernel of it that worked. And those movies that I do know what they're about, only one of them that was I really against i don't mind being preached at a little bit i just i don't know what this thing was saying it it, yeah it it wasn't a waste of his talents because in a way it's like it's perfect it's it is from the mind of cronenberg but if your reaction was like joel's you're gonna hate it i i don't (laughs) think i liked it i think i might hate it it's worthy though of your hate you can't just shrug it off it's a master there's a dude it's a it master like, filmmaker at work, and you can't yeah. just say, "Man, that one was weird." It it get it gets it to you. Seems, so. It seems to me that if there's any person uh, working in in uh, film today, that would be like, "Oh, you hated it? Awesome!" Like it would be like, "Yeah." And that it seems to me, it feels like that would be David Cronenberg. It would be like, "Oh, you you hate it? Cool, good." He wants he wants some sort of visceral reaction. But like the worst thing you could say to David Cronenberg is like what you just said would be Meh. to go, man. Okay, yeah, I mean, yeah, that was that was okay. Um, all right, let's move on uh, to our. our I was film sickened in this by category. it. I was not horrified by it. That's to go. me, that's a bit of a fail. 
Um, all right, next up is You Won't Be Alone. Numi's back. Numi. As one of a long line of witches, of identities that a witch spirit takes over on a long journey in ancient Macedonia. This is the last movie I watched before we did the shows. Uh, mm-hmm. art, man. <laughs> <laughs> art, man. Art, it's gonna man. Get you. Like, gonna get what you if sometimes. we all went into like a uh, ancient Macedonian art museum and the and maybe the paintings and sculptures tried to tell us a story about like what it was like to be a lady, and it went on for an hour and forty minutes, and you were like, "What's going on?" Is that the well, same person go. as that? And is this a witch? Really? Nope, nope, nope. It's a witch. It's a witch. Well, I'm yep, sure yep, of no. is that it is a witch when it's over, but it's so weird and so <laughs> arty. And I really, again, I really admired the cinema, the visual storytelling. Um, it's it's from beginning to end. It's all voiceover it's almost no people it's a little bit of people talking to each other but the main character has her tongue cut out as an infant and so her whole story is told from voiceover and it's hard to latch on to her life experience because she keeps becoming these different people Mm. um it's it's weird it's the it's a mess it's a it's a, a filmmaker who's descended from Macedonia and it's the Macedonian legends and cultures and stuff and I mean if I've lost you I've lost myself trying to sell this movie or... <laughs> sure sure because I just saw it it's the same with I probably shouldn't have saved the art horror for the last night but you know it's some of my favorite stuff so I don't know what to say about it it it, it, it is critically beloved it's one of those got all the tomatoes, but it, the fans yep. are like 50-50 on it. And it's in ancient Macedonian, you know, with English subtitles. Uh, it's shot in the aspect ratio 144 by 1. That's I've never seen a movie 144 by 1. It's a lot like 133-1, which all the old TV shows and all the old movies are in. So it's not that exotic. But why the extra 11 points per one just to make sure that that it's never been done before i mean it's weird and it's super weird in that way maybe maybe there's some weird off-brand macedonian television uh you know manufacturer that makes their that made their uh their tubes um their glass tubes well listen up meme generating uh pro witch facebook pages this is it. This is the test. You want to be a witch? Watch this thing and get back to us and let us know, if, you know, how if you still feel the same way. Because there you go. Because I will say this about it: as far as witch experiences goes, it's completely unique and feels very, very grounded in history, and and it's certainly full of entrails and weird nastiness. But it's so tonally. Eth- ephemeral and ethereal that you just can't pull it down here with you i couldn't 
so like I say several times on the show, I admired it much, much more than I enjoyed it. But I still Believe admired it. the hell out of it. I mean, wow. It's its own thing. I thought Lamb was its own thing, Numi. This mm-hmm. thing is just <laughs> completely different. <laughs> and that's sometimes that's where the magic happens. And even if it isn't artists pulling us that way, we need that. So I there, that's how I'll sum it up. I'll I'll get all meta about it because I can't I can't micro the thing in any way that would convey what it is to anybody. Sure. All right. Well, let's move on to our next category, which is uh, you've called it Ty West's Pearl. But the first movie that we're going to talk about is Ty West's X. Well, here's a great uh, our buddy friend of the show, Brian, who came on the show. uh, We have two friends of the show, Brian. This is Brian who came on to talk about 1990 gangster films from his car. If memory serves. Um, he recommended these to me. Of course, I'm a huge Ty West fan anyway. If you've watched any of our horror episodes, you've heard me talk about every one of his films. Mm-hmm. And even his non-horror film, which was a Western I've talked about on the show. So uh, I, he's, I don't know that I love any of his movies, but as a filmmaker, I just love his vibe and his whole deal. So... Uh, a lot of time spent in kind of A-list premiere television land. He decided to make a movie and was about to start shooting it in um, in New Zealand. Right when the the right when COVID broke out, there were all these American actors and stuff over in New Zealand, ready to shoot this slasher movie called X, which is. The story of a X for the X rating, obviously, not being coy with what kind of movie it is. Uh, super porny and very 70s and super slashery and stabby. Not typically my kind of thing, but what I knew with Ty was and why I signed up for it was because there's two reasons. One, because I knew I could expect a comment on the forum itself from him, which it would at least get me to the end, even if I was having a miserable time. And Mm -hmm. two, because Pearl had just come out, the prequel to X, and that looked like a total can't-miss-off-the-hook work of amazement that I had to see. Brian, to get back to him, saw Pearl first, and I said, oh, have you seen X then? And he's like, no, I hadn't seen that, but I'm going to see it now because Pearl was amazing. And then he saw X, and he was like, eh, I don't really like X. It's just, I mean, it's a good slasher movie. but eh. And I really think this is a case where, he, first of all, a guy like Brian's not going to see X ever unless Pearl exists. So this was the only order he could ever see it in, and you can see it in that order. But I believe release order serves these movies really, 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 really well. It is it you may be you may want to leapfrog X and go right to Pearl. And since it takes place, you know, seventy years earlier, you probably can do that without missing a beat. But but these X when it got to New Zealand and they were just about to start shooting it, they were all quarantined for two weeks in their hotel rooms. And so that Ty wouldn't lose the beat of what he was doing, he video conferenced with Mia Goth, the star of his film, while they were in separate hotel rooms. And they created a script in two weeks that was an origin story for Pearl, this old lady in in X. X is the story of a of a 
independent pornography movie that rents a, a cabin on a farm without mm -hmm. telling the old ass owners of the farm what they're doing there and pre proceeds to shoot a, a porn film Mm -hmm. And then they, they all, it's a spoiler alert, but it's a slasher movie. They all just get completely slaughtered for, for very specific reasons, which are super elaborated on in Pearl. It's a grisly, grisly movie with all the slasher kind of deaths, some of which are amazing. It's, it absolutely works as an old school, what am I, this is horrible 70s slasher movie while also a fairly clever comment on 70s culture. Um... And on the sort of vacuousness of like people, people who are willing to do porn to become a big star's dreams don't come true. I can't think of right. a single person who lived. And there's a lot of people who did it. That was their entry into pornography was they wanted mm -hmm. to be an actor. And that's uh, pornography is not that it doesn't take acting, but it's just it's not your ticket to be a, a big famous accomplished actor so that was that's misguided and the film's fantastic in that way best slasher i've seen in ages really really good pearl on the other hand yeah so let's move on to pearl pearl takes place uh during the other pandemic the pandemic of 18 or of 1918 <laughs> and it's very clever and so they're wearing masks and stuff you know back in 1918 I, I don't know, something about that I loved, but it's this gorgeous, beautiful, Baz Luhrmann-like, technicolored, nostalgic, um, you know, 1920s movie fantasy land version of the old farm lady from, from uh, X's upbringing during world, as World War I was about to end. Um... And what her dreams are and how she follows them to their logical and ultimately illogical and insane ends. And also played by Mia Goth. Mia Goth in a turn that they couldn't have anticipated before they'd written Pearl plays both the old farmer lady and the star of the porno film, both. That that she's awesome in both roles. And here as the young old farmer lady who bears a striking resemblance to the ambitious young porn actress, uh, is as amazing as I've seen anybody in anything all year. And of course I've only watched the horror movies so far, but Mia Goth's performance in Pearls is, is uh, incredible. And Ty West's, um, and everybody involves all the design group. Cause this was, they wrote this in quarantine. They started shooting X. They sent the script to a 24 and said, can we just stay in New Zealand and shoot this next movie? Like at the end of this. And they read it and were like, yes, you sure can do that. You know, keep whoever you can get whoever you need to Pearl's German immigrant mother is played by the intimacy coordinator on X and believe you me, the intimacy coordinator on X was a full effing time job for her because every yeah. kind of sex you can imagine is featured graphically in that film. So if you don't like that, I don't like that sort of thing, but I liked X anyway. It tells you how good it is. Pearl's off the hook. Good man. It's so good. It, it's, it's, so good. I just don't know what to do with it. It's horrifying. I was horrified throughout that film. And and yet, 
I just don't know it. I just don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it. I don't want to ruin what it is. You know, I have already almost ruined the connection between the films, which you also don't really want to do. Um, any good slasher movie is at least partially a whodunit, and X does a really, really good job at that. It's a complicated answer to that question. And Pearl, even though it spells everything all out for you, it just it its horrors are so horrific. It just doesn't yeah. prepare you. For for it even though if you've watched x you should know what you're getting into and i loved it ty west is he's just genius he just everything he does defies expectation everything he does is it comes from a true place and a true love of cinema and the love of cinema and the critique of the style of different cinemas in all of his work and uh mia goth who i already knew was really good but man after sitting through those two movies She's stunningly good. She's only good things are coming for her, I suspect. So, well, very cool. All right, um, let's move on. Our uh, the penultimate category is the boogeyman, the bye bye man, the slender man, and now the empty man. The empty man. With respect uh, yeah. to the ultimate movie on our list, this and this also from two thousand twenty. So. Like Saint Maud, I I was reading articles. What are the best horror movies of the last couple of years? Trying to pick my list, and a couple of I think 2020 is the oldest movie on the list, so I didn't go that far back in time. But I went back and caught some that I had missed along the way. And The Empty Man was by far my favorite horror movie of this cycle, and it is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. And I've only seen it the one time three weeks ago, and I knew halfway through it that that was the case. And I'll tell you why. If you watch the trailer for The Empty Man, you're going to see a trailer for The Boogeyman and Bye Bye Man and The Slender Man. These are all Boogeyman Mm -hmm. stories where a bunch of dipshit teenagers unleash some terrible urban legend on themselves by doing the thing you're not supposed to do at a certain time. In the case of Empty Man, it couldn't be more stupid. If you find a bottle on the bridge, blow into it three times and ask to see the Empty Man. On the first day, you you will hear him. Then the next day, you will see him. Then the third day, he finds you. That's the tagline of the movie. And you're thinking... Oh, teenagers get whacked by a boogeyman person that they summoned into being, just like Candyman or any of the other man movies. This movie is that. That's part of it. This movie's got a 22-minute pre-title sequence that has nothing to do with... I'd say has nothing to do with, but is only loosely, vaguely connected to the rest of the movie. It's a short film in and of itself. It is effing brilliant. It's... Mm terrifying <laughs> nothing in empty man is as scary as the first 20 minutes i know that was a letdown for a lot of folks i get it but you just gotta you just gotta hang in there um or don't i don't i'm sort of like i don't give a shit you know if you don't if this is something you don't like then i don't care screw you i get the empty man and i get to keep it to myself here's the story that here's the story behind the story of the empty man The Empty Man, along with Underwater, but it's technically The Empty Man, was the final film made by 20th Century Fox before the Disney purchase. 
Uh, it's got a 20, 20 something, $25 million budget. So low budget for a big studio film, but still a big studio film slickness and epic feel and style to it. First time writer filmmaker. How he got a deal with 20th Century Fox has to be a story in and of itself. I don't know it, but that they that he wrote this thing that is so weird and strange and so thematically difficult to grapple with and leaves you with so many more questions and answers and they just said sure kid let it rock i maybe because they only read the first 22 pages and then stopped reading and said oh this is great go for it i don't know but i love it James Badge Dale is the star of it. Every time I talk about James Badge Dale, it is it with flying colors. James Badge Dale as the cancer patient in flight. James Badge Dale as the uh, businessman who makes everything happen in the walk. James Badge Dale as the commander of the station they visit um, in World War Z, who gives the zombies the code name Zeke. I love James Badge Dale, but I love him in these little brief fits and starts that he shows up and I've never seen him as a leading man in this film he's a tortured cop whose ex-girlfriend's daughter goes missing as part of this empty man curse she was one of the kids on the bridge and he goes hunting for her and what he finds is beyond your wildest imagination and I just thought it was so off the wall, crazy. It was It's two hours and 17 minutes long. I couldn't believe the 20th Century Fox. I still can't believe it paid for this thing. I, I paid for it on Amazon. I started watching it. It was the shape of my TV. And I was like, it didn't feel right. I was like, this doesn't feel right. Most of these were the shape of my TV. Most of the good horror movies this year were not widescreen epics. You know, they were, they were TV shaped. Spherical, mm -hmm. as we call it. So I, I stopped it because I'm like, I'm going to like this. I don't want this. So I stopped it, and I wouldn't watch the trailer. Sure enough, the trailer's in scope, and it looks awesome. And I'm like, oh, God damn it. So the only way on streaming, so even though I'm recommending Empty Man unreservedly to anyone who will take a chance on it, I, to, where to send you to find it, I, I just don't know because they – the, not only did Disney crap all over this by releasing it in few enough theaters that it couldn't possibly make enough money to be released on home video. So there's no DVD and there's not going to be any Blu-ray. It's contractually, if you make less than $2 million, they don't have to release your movie uh, on home video in any way. They dumped it. They didn't use it on their own platform. They dumped it on HBO. I, it's not on HBO anymore, so I don't know how it showed there. On Amazon, though, it's crap. The sides are chopped off of it, and it and wrecks it, and it just it pisses me off. I went online because I'm a super online super genius when it comes to hunting down movies, and I found an Eastern European broadcast version in high def that played it in its proper aspect ratio. And it's spectacularly shot film super moody very scary james is fantastic he's plays it very down to earth stephen root shows up as a weird businessman cult leader that's joy that's film joyousness he has a line that he says there is only the great binding nothingness of things it's a movie about nothing and what's terrifying about emptiness and nothingness and it nails it almost every second there's a couple of things i'm kind of like that probably shouldn't be in this movie but if it were in any other movie it were in the kind of movie it's sort of spoofing or that it's a take on it would be genius 
Sure. And I, I loved Empty Man, and I, I don't know how that guy is going to get to make another movie, but I hope he does, and I will show up for it if he does. It's a, it's a Donnie Darko-like experience, but it doesn't have any of the hipness of that. It only has loneliness and emptiness at the core of it, and I just related it to it extremely strongly, and I didn't care that it ended and I didn't know what happened. I was it felt exhilarated and amazed, and I wanted to watch it again right away. That, to me, that's movie magic, and it rarely happens with horror movies. It, it can only happen with a movie that takes the chances this takes. And even and there are as many people that hate this thing as that love it. But it's going to be a cult film because those of us who love it are going to cry to the heavens. you got to see this thing. And I believe that to my core. I just wish I could point you to where to see it properly because, mm-hmm. man, I, I, because I think it's crucial that you do. So. Well, that is high praise. Um, well it is all right. i loved it okay. but yeah I, I understand why other people yeah. hated it but i loved it i loved it okay well let's move on our final category is the first annual movie show with joel and ryan award for special achievement in the field of horror excellence it's hard to sing sing the theme song along with that well, I didn't. I didn't really have a fanfare, and that was the closest I could come up with a it's fanfare. It's the first and... annual the movie show with Joel and Ryan award um, uh, for da na 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 special achievement uh, in the field of excellence. And I was actually looking for the clip online, but I couldn't find it of Clubber. What's his face coming out going? Webster's dictionary defines excellence as. Yep. Um, all right. Well, let's. Okay. So you know what excellence uh, that... is. Look it up if you don't. Yep. Uh, no, this was good. This was the uh, this was the movie that Ryan uh, recommended to me. I watched this, and um, uh, the movie is called Barbarian. And um, it, 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 it well, first of all, okay, so I'll I'll, I'll share. Uh, it ticks all of the boxes that Joel does not like to see in movies. <laughs> um, long dark tunnels. Um, uh, people who can only being able to see what is illuminated by a very dense flashlight. And <laughs> uh, uh, boy, th- I mean, those are uh, stairs uh, that leading into darkness, scary, things, decaying ne- neighborhoods. Yeah, uh, things walking up those stairs, even if it is our hero. I still don't like people walking up those stairs. Um, mm. Yeah, Barbarian, uh, uh, and, and I say all of that uh, to say, uh, what a damn fine movie. Yeah, Barbarian, uh, I mean. It's uh, creepy as hell. Um, and, yeah, and uh, it doesn't let things like the laws of physics get in the way of just spinning in an amazing yarn. Um, mm-hmm. Very, very moody, very, very creepy, and yet very, very gutturally sort of in your face violent and and horrific and gory too mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of other things that you wouldn't expect and it really right. is a stew of horror <laughs> and it's right. just but it's a it's stew kinda... of horror with ingredients that i don't think did qu- have quite ever been put together exactly in this way yeah um sort of almost two little short two two shorter films uh that maybe. tie in together maybe um but 
Uh, yeah, it's. I think as short going... films, they would be terrible. I think they need each other to oh, live no, and breathe no, in this you're, thing. You're absolutely right because the, the second part doesn't work without the first part, right? Um, and vice versa, and, ultimately, I think. Yeah, ultimately, but it. I mean, it is. It's just like you you're going along and you're and just when you think that uh, you know, just when you're sort of in the groove of the movie, suddenly the movie just has a massive tonal shift. Yeah, is a completely uh, different then, movie. And then just start and then kind of starts again and then they come together and it's really um it's really terrific. Uh Georgina Campbell play who is our is our uh our hero. Um she's really um she's really great. Uh Bill she shows Skarsgård. up in the rain to an Airbnb that already has that she puts the key the code in the keypad to get the key to get in there and someone's already in mm -hmm. there and it's who is it? It's Bill Skarsgard. Mm -hmm. um brilliantly cast in this for two reasons one because he's just really the perfect guy for this role and really does a great job with it and two because because who he is because of his horror clout we expect him and are a little nervous that he's going to turn into a demented clown at any moment right and those two things work just brilliantly in the film's favor it's he's outstanding georgina is really really great uh and of course justin long uh, a, a veteran of Jeepers Creepers movies, which this film, the only thing I didn't like about it was it kept reminding us of that with little, little visual motifs and stuff. I don't want to be thinking about Jeepers Creepers and that. Although mm -hmm. the guy plays, the guy plays <laughs> a guy who's going through something the creator of Jeepers Creepers also went through in his life and for good reason. And, uh, that doesn't feel like a coincidence either. I don't know. The movie's weird because of those. Like I say, not because it's, again, not anything you haven't seen before because it really isn't. Especially like me. I'd watched Fresh and I'd watched all the different versions mm -hmm. of this movie all throughout. This film I watched only a couple of days ago because it just came out streaming on the 25th. Yeah. Um, so it's just, this is as new as they come. Uh, but I'm with Joel. It It... The smorgasbord keeps you, the tonal shifts, which normally I hate, they just keep you on oh, your toes and just balance. off balance and just not knowing what to expect or what happens next. I think as time goes on, when I'm a little less smitten with the experience of it, I think some of the actual things that happen in it will impress me less. Mm -hmm. um, but it it's about the feel of the thing and the movie knows that and it really embraces that and if the choice is sticking with the with the crazy feel of it or doing something that maybe makes more sense it, it always goes this way it trusts its instincts and that confidence yep. comes through in every scene and so you're you're <laughs> you just you know uh, empty man's a philosophy lesson. It's academic. You have to dig into it to find the meaning into it. This thing, you just got to sit back, put your seatbelt on and hang yep. on to the end. And maybe you can get there. And it, that's, that's a delight too. So yeah. expertly yeah. crafted by another first time filmmaker who, uh, hopefully big things are around the corner for them. Or even if they just stick yeah. to stuff like this, it'll be fun to see whatever the next thing is. Yeah, Zach Kreger is our director and writer. So, Barbarian, um, I really, uh, you know, much as I'm, much as I went on twice as long about Empty Man, uh, Barbarian, I think if I just pick one, one of these guys to say this is the one, uh, I think from this season, 
Barbarian's the one for you. Yeah, and that is why it is the winner of the first annual The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan Award for Special Achievement in the Field of Horror Excellence. It's that's there's no that you know it's not that's not for nothing. We don't give those uh, awards to just anybody. In fact, we've only given it one time. Just the once. Just the once, and that is Barbarian. Um, all right, folks. So that is your 2022 list of terror. Um, a whole crap ton of movies over two episodes that you can partake in in this hol- in this horror holiday season. Or frankly, if you want to let your horror holiday extend a little bit into November, go ahead. No one's going to mind. It's all right. Go ahead. Watch, watch yourself some horror in November. No good um, or bad time to get lost in the woods with a bunch of creepy horror movies. Yeah. You know what? If you're thinking about going backpacking in the woods, don't. Watch one of these films instead. Um, you'll be better off. Uh, and you might learn, you might learn a little something too. Uh, all right, everybody, you can reach out to us at the movie show with Joel and Ryan, uh, the real on, uh, horror, page Joel. On Facebook. the real horror is the friends we made along. We the way. made along the way. Yeah. Um, all right. You can reach out to us on the Facebook page, uh, movie show with Joel and Ryan on Facebook at ask Joel and Ryan on, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And the, if you were watching us on YouTube, Please go ahead, like and subscribe. Tell your friends. Um, and, yeah, like uh, and subscribe. I'll, I get it. Maybe you don't want to subscribe, but geez, come on, like the thing, please. It's a thumb. When you it have a thumb, up. it takes two. It takes no seconds. It's nothing. If you, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't do anything. If you're right. if when you're watched, just let me tell you when your when your video is watched by sixteen people and only one people like it and it's you, it's just depressing. We're just begging you. This wee year for Halloween, give us the gift of just a couple of them thumbs. Just a Let couple. Let that be our treat. Couple thumbs. That's all we're asking. It's not too much to ask. For, I don't think. For sure. Uh, all right, everybody. Uh, we got some cool shows coming up uh, as we get into the holiday season here. But thank you so much for joining us today. Bye. Thank you for listening to the movie show with Joel and Ryan. Remember, all views and opinions represented in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the speaker and do not represent those people, institutions, or organizations that the speaker may or may not be associated with, unless explicitly stated. None of these views and opinions were intended to malign or deceive. And now, here's the producers, circa 1982, to play us out.